Welcome to the Cloud Accounting Podcast. I'm Blake Oliver. And I'm David Leary. And I feel like it's been a really long time since we talked, David. I've been having podcast withdrawal. I know. We took a, I took a little extra weekend because we couldn't record on Friday. We're recording on Monday instead because I went to a wedding in Chicago. Um, but yeah, it feels like it's been t- 10 days. It has been like 10 days or whatever since we've recorded. But then it, it occurred to me that it's okay because a lot of our listeners do tax or are involved in tax and prepping for it. And we all know October 15th is the big deadline. So people don't have time to listen anyway. They're busy working. And I've noticed that social media has been like very quiet the last couple of weeks. I've heard that the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act delayed a lot of filing until the extended deadline. And so a lot of people are like just slammed. So this extended deadline's worse than it has been previous years. Yeah, there was even a story in the Wall Street Journal about how the TCJA has made tax season end on October 15th this year. Like and interviewed a bunch of CPAs. And I mean, you know that it's bad when the the normal pain that we all feel as accountants like gets into the Wall Street Journal as a top story that surfaced in the regular, you know, Wall Street Journal feed. So I've got some articles. Uh we have lots of lots of small articles, lots of things have been happening. Um, app articles. And before we get to the articles, though, I've got an announcement. What is this? Which is that I have a new job. As you know, folks who are regular listeners to the show may know, I uh, left Flowcast at the beginning of September. And I truly intended to do consulting, stay independent, work on the podcast for a little while. But then the magic of podcasting is I mentioned that I was available. And the folks at Giraffe, J-I-R-A-V, are listeners of the show and reached out and said, hey, Blake, we are looking for somebody to help us with marketing. And we love the show and we want to talk to you. So I was thinking, okay, well, maybe I'll do some consulting for this company. And then I went up to San Francisco and I met the founders and I fell in love. David, it was romance in San Francisco. I really got to know the team and it's I'm really excited to be joining them. I'm going to be their director. Well, I am their director of marketing and I just got through with my first week. Congratulations. So you moved from uh, one app to another app now. I know. Like I'm I feel like uh, now that I've left public accounting and gone into software, uh I'm 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 going to get stuck here. <laughs> In the app world, yeah. In the app world, like you. That would be like I, me jumping into like accounting firms. Like, I'm like, yeah, I'm going to start working for accounting firms. Oh, my God. David, if you if there was an accounting firm that had the vision to hire you, I think you could do a lot for them. But uh, yeah, no, that's uh, – here's what I'm really happy about is that you know Flowcast was an application primarily sold to corporate controllers. So it was kind of outside of my, I don't know, home turf, which is – you know, the CPA world or accounting and bookkeeping, small business accounting, like the world of QuickBooks and Zero. Advisory services, like that kind of. Yeah. Yeah. Flowcast was increasingly uh, more in the NetSuite world, the Oracle world, SAP world. And so it's really great to be back in the world of an app that is part of the QBO Zero ecosystem that is helping CPA firms move to advisory services, which is what we talk about all the time on the show, right? So like, how could I not take them up on the offer to help do that, help basically as an as part of marketing, create educational content that's going to show CPAs, accountants, bookkeepers, how we can move from being historical looking to being forward looking. Oh, and by the way, this app Giraffe lets you actually do that. So that's exciting to me. Cool. It uh, yeah. would be great to hear about this as you go along. But enough about my gig. Uh, what's new with you, David? Or what, I guess what have you been reading yeah, about? There's lots, lots of news. Um, let me see here. Uh, why don't we jump into the what I think is my f- most favorite story of the week? Okay. I think. So um, it has a weird title. It says, Veeam introduces zero for invoicing. Yep. I oh, saw oh. this because I'm a, I'm a zero customer, right? So. so. It's a horrible title of the article, but essentially, <laughs> like, there's so much yes here because I'm a firm believer in if I on both sides of the fence, AR and AP, right? On AR side, if I send an invoice to a customer, I want that customer to have 25 pay buttons, right? Pay with Apple Pay, pay with Google Pay, pay with any of or, those or, PayPal, well, as a, whatever, right? As a marketing person, I'd say just have one button, but say pay however you want. <laughs> 
Okay, okay, possibly like that from you. <laughs> One call to action, yes. Yeah. So, so people can pay me in their preferred method. Well, on the yes. same side, as a business owner, I want to pay my vendors, and sometimes one vendor wants to use Veeam, another vendor wants you to use Billbot.com, another vendor wants you to use this other platform. And so, what um, this is, what they've done now is inside of Zero, when you have a bill to pay, and the corner of Zero, there's a button that says Pay with Veeam, so you don't have to like leave Zero, go out to Veeam, pay your bills and Veeam, you just do it from one spot. Wait, so you're telling me this is not just for receivables. I can also pay my bills inside of Zero with Veeam? Uh, let me go uh, relook at this. It could be me being confused <laughs> on what I'm looking at in Zero. So I, I saw the uh, AR side, right, where now you can add Veeam as a payment service and receive Oh, this payments. is on the AR side. Okay, got it. Yeah. Now, what you were describing is the holy grail of bill pay, which I have yet to see anyone do, but hey, Veeam, if you are listening, that's what people really want. Although Veeam will pull your bills into Veeam and then you can pay them from their app. But how cool would it be if a button popped up inside of Xero or some Chrome extension allowed you to pay your bills directly from the bill in Xero and you didn't have to go into Veeam to do it? And that's, I mean, initially that's what I thought this did. And that's yeah. what's to me is the most exciting because, and actually I think it's in QuickBooks and Zero's best interest yeah. because the more payment options you put in product, you're going to get a little piece of that action. And then well, they it's in Zero, QuickBooks and Zero's best interest to get everybody to pay their bills with e-payments and not write checks, paper checks. So, so I feel like the reason this doesn't happen is because it's really hard to get a company like Zero or QuickBooks to put your button in their app. The, first of all, they have to change their UI. They have to figure, you know, you're going deep in their turf and that's not easy to do. So here's my workaround. Like I, I would love if, if you're a developer and you're listening, tell me if this is crazy, but what if Veeam or Bill.com or any of these AP apps had a Chrome extension? So one of these plugins you get for the Chrome browser that you would sign into. And then when you're looking at a bill in Zero, it would superimpose on the Zero user interface like the veeam pay button and i know this works because there are lots of apps that integrate with gmail this way and they can like add into the functionality without google having to build something so somebody should do that right like that way you can layer on top of zero without having to work with them to try and get permission to go into their app yeah i think the closest thing i've experienced to it is a uh, checkbook.io so i use that inside my qbo yeah and so I just do the pay bill. So I pay bills and I just cut a check, but I say to print. And what it does, it watches all the checks that I mm -hmm. have marked to print. And then it'll cut those either as a, ch a physical check if it needs to mail one, or in most cases, it'll just do an ACH to whoever oh, I'm paying. Wait, and so that, you mark that, it as to print in QBO and then it- In QBO. That's how it syncs and it knows what you want to actually send? Exactly. Because it's basically, uh, it's, it's, it's watching that to print status and then it knows, okay, I'm going to send all these off. Yeah. But you still have to go into checkbook dot io to, to actually process it right no oh it just knows it just wow. it just watches that yeah which is so, so, so that's like the closest thing i've i've kind of seen to that mm -hmm. but what if three apps create that as their trigger <laughs> right now yeah, i'm gonna pay yeah, bill three yeah. times so so it's not i think it's the the right spirit i don't know if it's a perfect execution and i think that's the the perfect execution is I can set a preference inside of QBO or zero of my preferred payment method, or I set it up per vendor. So if I'm paying a bill to vendor X and they use bill.com, the button just says pay with bill.com and I click it. And when, I, when I'm on a bill from a different vendor, maybe it's you and you like Veeam, I'm going to click you and it's going to have the Veeam button and I just pay it through there. Like, Why do I have to go to another UI, another app and another browser tab to accomplish something this simple? I'm just paying a bill. Yep. Uh, kudos. It's my favorite. It's the favorite thing I've seen this week. I, I got very, very excited about this, obviously. Well, other big news was the mileage tracker that's now in QuickBooks Online. That is big news as well. Right. So this was the feature that was available in the self-employed version, but not in the regular big boy version of QuickBooks. So now they've added that in. So have you tried using it, David? I have not tried using it. I've always heard a lot about the self-employed one. Like Intuit figured out ways to have it automatically run in the background and not use up your battery on your phone. There's lots of smart things they've done with it using the GPS and things. Yeah. But I have not used it. I did get activated in my QuickBooks Online app, but I have not taken a trip yet. So I should – how do I just create a fake business trip and try to test yeah, it out? Yeah, <laughs> charge me for it. Uh, and on the same note, 
Our sponsor, BQE, or former sponsor of the Cloud Accounting Podcast, thank you very much. They have also added mileage tracking inside of BQE that uses GPS and all that stuff. So it seems like a lot of uh, solutions, practice management, GLs, are now adding in the mileage tracking, which just makes a lot of sense, right? Why use a separate app for something that small, I suppose, right? It's not. It's a feature, not an app. I think it's the same for... um like even the receipt capture in QBO, right? In the grand scheme of things, it might be good enough. It's the same thing with mileage, right? If if yeah. I'm taking two or three trips a year as a business owner and I need to track that, going and getting a separate mileage app just to track two or three trips doesn't make sense. But if I have a fleet, right, and I have lots of people driving mm-hmm. and lots of employees, maybe it's not the best fit, right? But everybody's very excited about this. And I think I saw it's even uh, starting to become available in Canada. And some people are excited about seeing it up there as well. Well, they're always very excited because they get features like three years after us. In, I don't know if it's United that States, long right? now. I don't think it's that, it's that long now. Not as long. But. Um, I think we got so some more Intuit news. Oh, good. Yeah, let's talk about the Intuit news. Um, so other Intuit news. So remember uh, last year at QuickBurst Connect, we were talking about, you know, hey, instant payments. Like that was the theme. Instant payments are coming. Instant payments it are was, coming. It was, yes. I recall and that. I think that was my prediction on uh, our Year one episode or January 1st episode, whatever we want to call that, right? Was it was. It was you're like your number one prediction Yeah, that, that, that this is happening. This is happening. And so now Intuit and Visa are now launching an instant deposit feature. So they're joining you know, all the other players that are starting to get out of the way. And for small businesses, they're going to deposit that money in as fast as possible. So, oh, so there's a fee for this again. seems like that's why this is happening, right? Because Visa, Intuit, they want to make a little bit of money on this this financial services yep. uh, fee. So it's 1% and then you can get the money, what it's like immediately, right? Um, yeah. What is the... It says instant deposits. So, okay, <laughs> I hope so. Okay. <laughs> uh, so you can get, you can uh, receive next day deposits. Uh, oh, no, instant deposits available within 30 minutes of a transaction being approved. Wow. So this is like yeah. even more than like less than 24 hours. This is very impressive. Yeah. So that, you know, for 1%, that might be worth it for a lot of businesses to have it immediately. Cool. Oh, and then uh, some other Intuit news that I saw this week that came out. Um, the uh, terms of service changed for QuickBooks Online. Yes. And um, I don't know where you saw it, but Nina Casey gets a thank you from me for sending this over. She noticed the new terms of service having language about QuickBooks Live. Is that what you saw too? Exactly. That's what my note is just to myself. I was like, this means QuickBooks Live bookkeeping is now officially real, right? It's in the terms of service. It's no longer a marketing test. It's no longer anything else. It's in the terms of service. And Nina called out a great line in these terms of service. She said that she liked, quote, the scope of the bookkeeping services may be limited and some services may not be included as a part of the QuickBooks Live services, both of which shall be determined by the live bookkeeper, unquote. And Nina says, so basically they're saying, buy our product even though we don't know exactly what we're doing. (laughs) (laughs) Actually, she said, uh, I added that myself. She said, even though we don't know exactly what we're selling you. To be completely correct, I mean, so could, could you imagine that the, the meeting that this is happening in, right? Like the lawyer, <laughs> the lawyers are trying to write the terms of service, and you have a product management team that's just like, we don't really know what it is yet, but you got to <laughs> like, like, this like back and forth. That's kind of uh, entertaining, but but yeah, the big the, t- the big takeaway is QuickBooks Live bookkeeping is real. Like that is yes. the big the big takeaway in that, um, and I think they rolled in some term, t sheets, terms of service, and some other things. But the big one is uh, for sure, it is now QuickBooks Live bookkeeping. Um, yeah. And then one more little piece of Intuit news. I don't know if you saw this or not on the social media, but I think this was Thursday. Maybe it was Friday yeah. morning. I think I saw Rich Priest is leaving Intuit. I know. So our listeners who have been following QuickBooks Live know Rich Priest well because he's been like the voice of Intuit when it comes to QuickBooks Live. Um, we had him on an interview uh, about yeah. episode 80, mid-80s there. Um, we interviewed Rich um, regarding QuickBooks Live at Scaling New Heights. And so I think Rich was at Intuit all, easily 17 years, maybe pushing 18 years. He was uh, there for a very long time. There's not a lot of news, you know, where what what's next or anything like that. But it was just, I uh, saw it on the socials and then it was confirmed by some Intuit employees as well. Yeah. So no word on where he's going yet. There's nothing been nothing. Yes. Not that, unless it's buried in like a comment thread somewhere on a uh, social media, but I have not seen anything. Got it. So he'll be missed. Um, always enjoyed talking to Rich. Yes, he was he was just so well spoken. He had a great radio voice too, which made him a great podcast 
guest. It made me sound horrible. I know. It's good. <laughs> uh, uh, so that's it for Intuit, right? We got more app news though. Yeah, there's lots of apps news, lots of different things happening. Oh, so, so much. Jump in. So much. Um, okay, so did, I don't know if we covered this on a previous episode, but do, do we talk about how Paro or Paro, P-A-R-O, raised $10 million? I th- not specifically this round, but I feel like we've spoken about them once before on the podcast because they're playing middleman kind of a matching service, almost like a temp, not, temp agency is not the right word, but they're like a temp agency that's using AI to match really a yeah. higher and professional accounting jobs, correct? I really like how their representative explained it to Dan Hood in this Accounting Today article. So here's how Pero works according to Alexa Lemo. She's their business development manager for partnerships. She says, quote, say client A has a need for a fractional controller. They have a couple of staff accountants, a bookkeeper, and they're looking to get the CFO out of the weeds. We plug in a controller for 15 to 20 hours a week. The company gets a free call with one of our financial consultants for a needs assessment. Then our experts run a search on our platform and they come back with the best two or three matches. Then it's at the client's discretion to speak to all of those freelancers and interview them and talk about the scope of work. And we have a dedicated talent management team who are in constant communication with the client and the freelancer to ensure success. So this sounds very familiar to me. You know who this sounds like to me? It's like the next generation of Robert Half, right? That's who they're disrupting here. Okay. Uh, because really they're they're placing financial professionals in you know part-time contract work positions. It seems primarily for corporate teams, but also can be CPA firms. But they're using uh, tech to do it, right? To make it more efficient. Yeah, exactly. It's not like, it's not like when I hired somebody at Robert Half uh, and I, I, I did this, I had to go to the office and I had to meet with their person. And then I had to go in person to the office and meet with all of the bookkeepers I was looking to hire. Not particularly efficient. And Paro does this all online. So yeah, they raised $10 million and it looks like that was from Sierra Ventures, which led the round of financing. Existing investors include Revolution Ventures, KGC Capital, and Tom Williams. So congratulations to Paro. And uh, I should note they are a Chicago-based startup. So nice to see another startup coming out of Chicago, where I went to college. True. I was just there this weekend. A uh, very nice city. Uh, a little cold, a little windy for me, but it was a very <laughs> nice city. I feel like I've only been to Chicago for social occasions, so it's always a, it's always a good time, I think. for uh, My impression of Chicago is probably higher than it should be, maybe. I don't know. Well, it's definitely better if you're at a social occasion drinking uh, because that helps you stay warm. Yeah, That's true. That's true. Uh, I have a quick uh, small uh, news on an app I kind of saw or discovered. And the reason I just noted it, it's, uh, so it's an app called easieraccounting.com. At a press release, they're going to offer a 60-day free trial of the company services. And obviously, you know, I see something like that. I start poking around. It's another accounting firm with uh, engineers, bench, bot keeper. Another one. Scale factor, another play that's similar to that. Yep. Yeah, so it's a, it's another one. And they're offering 60 free days trial, but it's just uh, another one, right? Like I think we're, we're pushing 10 of these companies now, 12. Yeah. Uh, and there's going to be more. So it's just something to keep on the radar. So is there anything that makes easier accounting different than any of the other bookkeeping accounting startups? Or is it really just like the same same thing? Um, I, it's I, hard to tell, right? It's hard to tell. I feel like it's being um, – this one's another one that was started. I don't think he uh, was in – his background was accounting. Mm-hmm. He was a small business owner. And mm. he could never find accounting firms that were easy to work with or they were affordable or provided good communication. Yep. Right. And then they, and then as soon as they found a CPA or that was good, they were too expensive. So he decided to try to attack this himself. And and I should say that like um I don't mean to be, I don't know if I come across this way like dismissive of this. I think this is awesome. I think that like this is the future for accounting services in a lot of cases. And congratulations to Easier Accounting. And I'm just looking at the website to see where they're located. It looks like they are in St. George, Utah. So kind of like in between Las Vegas and Provo, maybe a little bit closer to the Nevada side. It doesn't, you don't talk a lot about as like a lot of like AI, we have more AI and we have a lot of engineering stuff, not as much as some of the other players, but they uh, definitely are trying to offer a low cost solution for small businesses. 
but it's a, it's another player that's in the space and just uh, keep an eye on them. Just like keep an eye ones. on it. Uh, what else is new? Oh, Expensify. We got to talk about Expensify. Yes. I, so I love these emails that I get from David Barrett, the founder and CEO of Expensify. He has a very unique market approach to marketing. I think Expensify has a very unique approach to marketing. And so the way that he announces new features is with a long, very long all text email, which, you know, normally you get these emails that are like all beautiful and graphics. And he's just like, this is what's happening. He even has a TLDR at the beginning, right? Too long, didn't read summary. Uh, Very nice for us. Basically, the news is that Expensify has launched, quote, the world's smartest corporate card with market-first daily settlement, unapproved expense limits, and real-time compliance features that enable the highest spend within the safest limits and the greatest e-receipt coverage of any corporate card. It's available now to Expensify users. So basically, like the Brex card, the Divi card, now you can get that from Expensify. Yeah. But it's different. And this is that big, you know, the APIs, right? Uh, MasterCard, Visa, they've opened up their APIs. A lot of people can spin up and build their own cards. I mean, I think I saw Receipt Bank has a card coming out. Like, there's just a lot of these companies that are putting out their own credit card now, Um, which makes me kind of think like, oh, Intuit just got um, a big biz dev deal with Visa for those instant payments. Mm -hmm. When is the QuickBooks card coming? It just it feels like it's kind of a natural. Um, it's going to happen. Progression of thing. What What's interesting, like I love about Dave's emails, is he really gets into the backgrounds on their decisions. Yes, he talks about the reasoning why they did it. And did you realize? Like, I didn't. I actually had. I remember hearing this a long time ago, but I, I'd forgotten about it. Expensify started as a corporate card. Yes, that was the original <laughs> play. Yep. Yeah, that was the original, but it was early. It was too early, right? So he pivoted to expense reports, because that is something that's a lot easier to build, a lot easier to scale, which they obviously have done, right? To incredible success. I, I Honestly, like they are the, I mean, we all know about them in the software world as being successful, but maybe not, maybe everyone doesn't know, but like they get, you know, companies to sign up with like tens of thousands of users and they like don't do any traditional marketing, <laughs> Right, uh, or they do very untraditional marketing, I should say, because of the like grassroots nature of how their app works. And I actually wrote a whole blog post about why it's called "Why Expensify is the Slack of Accounting," because of the way that they get new users. It's very unique. I don't know where I was going with that, but they are definitely a non-traditional. They take a non-traditional approach to everything. And so, same thing with this new uh, card. How are you familiar with their uh, their e receipts feature? Oh, I love it. I mean, do you know how it works? Uh, essentially, they 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 you don't have to take a photo or scan or keep track of your receipt, right? They're they're yeah. recreating it based on the data from the transaction. Yeah. So if it's under the IRS threshold of where you have to have a receipt, which is for most transactions seventy five dollars, then they will generate a receipt for you based on the credit card statement description and amount and date and location, and they guarantee that that will work in an audit that the IRS will not yeah, deny the, your deduction. And what's interesting, now that they're controlling the end-to-end from swipe to app to yeah. report, they're going to be able to, they predict like nine out of 10 transactions now are going to have an e-receipt. So may, maybe the whole concept of tracking receipts at all, finally, when they, because I think it was when they're marketing, right? Oh, burn your receipts. Like finally, maybe yeah. this can really truly happen now. Yeah. The other uh, part, there's so much in this email. Um, I got it like six times. Like if you're, you're on any, like, Yes, I've signed up. I've tested apps, right? Like your email yeah. addresses get out there. So I've got a bunch of times. But he had the um, went to maybe you can recognize the paragraph. But when I read it, he was talking about how they really got in the room to talk about reconciliation, mm-hmm. and nobody on the team could really justify the reasoning for doing it on a monthly basis. Like it made zero sense. Do you, rec- do you can you know where that paragraph is? So he says that reconciliation is a nightmare. And regardless of who's footing the bill, if it's not the employee, so basically employees don't have incentive to save receipts and make it easy for accounting to reconcile because they're going to get reimbursed anyway. And then the admin has to nag everybody and it just doesn't happen. So, I mean, the idea with the corporate card is that in the e-receipts is that 90% of transactions, you don't even need a receipt. It can be reconciled instantly. And that's another part of what they're doing here is daily settlement. So essentially, 
reconciling that card every single day instead of once a month. So there's all the charges that happen that day. Expensify tallies them up and debits your company bank account for that amount. And so you can reconcile on a daily basis, which actually makes your reconciliations a lot easier. That's kind of the core f- philosophy now of QBO and Zero, right? Is mm-hmm. don't reconcile weekly, reconcile constantly, right? Daily, yep, um, continuously. Is another word people like to use. So the benefit of that, which David talks about in this email, is that because you're settling daily, the limits can be insane. Basically, the limit is how much money do you have in your bank account? That's what you can spend. Uh, and they have access to your bank account, right? And to view your balance through the API uh, because you've given them permission to do these ACHs and whatnot. So they can instantly adjust your credit limit. And yeah, so if you've got a million bucks in your bank account because you're a VC funded startup, then theoretically, I guess you could spend that much on your credit card. Yeah, which is similar to the other news that came out is Brex's announcements, right? So oh, Brex I missed that. Brex, Brex has a similar model, right? Like, hey, you have that um, money in your checking account, right? And then they adjust your credit limit based on the money in your checking account, right? So it's essentially if you're a well-funded startup, your credit limit's unlimited, but you would never get from a real credit card company, right? Right. Um, so so it's a, they're solving a unique problem, right? Well, now they're taking it to that next level of like, why even put your startup funds in the bank? Just put them into the Brex. And so they're offering their own, basically, uh, they're teaming up with Boston's Radius Bank. Whoa. And they're going to basically, they call it Brex Cash. So they're, again, it's another player um, getting into the bank. <sighs> so they're going to try and be the bank for startups. So so they're, they're taking that same logic that you just said out loud about Expensify yeah. and they're just applying the, like, why even keep running the bank? Just move this. <laughs> like, you're going to spend it all anyways. Like, just let, let's just run it through it so it's easier to get to and, and run it through yeah. the car. Wow. So that's a pretty big announcement they're, they're, uh you know, and again, it goes to these um, companies becoming banks. Yep. Why? Because the small business banks suck. So I'm, I'm really excited to get into an example of why small business bank, uh, the banks suck for small business. If you'd like me to get into that. <laughs> why banks suck for small business? Yeah. Is this going to be a David Leary rant? No, no, it's not going to be a rant. <laughs> it's just going to be, um, we can get into this. This episode of the Cloud Accounting Podcast is sponsored by OnPay. Many times when choosing a payroll service, you have to choose between a new startup with a great app or an established company whose tech may feel a little behind the times. With OnPay, you get the best of both worlds, a great app from an established company that's providing payroll for over 30 years in all 50 states. OnPay is an easy-to-use full-service payroll with simple, straightforward pricing and it includes all their features. Employee self-onboarding, HR tools, health insurance, workers' comp tracking, and 401k. And with an accountant's dashboard and partner program combined with best-in-class integrations with Zero and QuickBooks, OnPay is the right fit for all your clients, whether they have just one or 500 employees. They also handle all the complicated stuff that other payroll providers don't, like agricultural payrolls, including Form 943, multi-state payrolls, and employees with H-2A visas. I'm really excited to tell you that OnPay is offering an exclusive promo code only for the listeners of the Cloud Accounting Podcast to get three free months of OnPay payroll service for any of your clients that you set up by February of 2020. Head over to cloudaccountingpodcast.promo slash onpay. That is cloudaccountingpodcast.promo forward slash O-N-P-A-Y. And use code CAP3FREE when you sign up your clients. That is C-A-P, the number three, F-R-E-E. And to be clear, you cannot get this promo anywhere else. It's only available to the listeners of the Cloud Accounting Podcast. So give me, give me the short version. Cause we got a lot to cover this week. All right. This could be a fast one. So it's bank of America. Fast rant. Fast rant starts now. So this is, um, the digital and human. It's the inside of bank of America, small business strategy. And this is an article that's in bank innovation. All right. right. So remember a couple of weeks ago, we talked about how BBVA compass wants to attack small businesses and they're creating four new APIs for developers to build awesome app integrations into. Mm-hmm. Well, bank of America is kind of going a different route and they've created their own app. So, so don't look at the article. Nothing else matters. Just look at the app. The picture of the, the picture app? The picture of the app. Business Advantage 360, total balance. It's and got... look who the app is designed for. It's in bank language. Credits and debits, not from an accounting or a small business owner's view of the world. They built this app for themselves. They are completely out of touch. Like it's so bad. Oh, because the credits and debits are reversed? 
Yeah, and, and then they, they called yeah. out in the app like it's this great thing. Total credit, 78,000. Total debits, 30,000. Well, that's that's how banks think. But the, because of that, that's how consumers think too. You know, non-accountants think in those terms, right? Yeah, credit but, increases but your bank this account. This is your business advantage app. Yeah. Like they they, they, they obviously do not get it. Or, just, or, or this just represents the consumerization of the enterprise. Possibly. Making it super easy. Possibly. Make it super easy for people to understand. Um, I, I, it is interesting though, that it's showing this app that you, you showed me like has a cash flow projection. That's pretty cool. So you can see here's today and then here's what I'm going to have three days from now. That is really interesting. I mean, I can't believe the banks don't do that already. Like project cash flow because they know what we normally spend. They could totally do it. Yeah. It'd be interesting how they're doing that. Are they just yeah. doing that based on the checks they, they have in queue, but they haven't actually cashed for you and deposited in your bank? It's not your available. It's like, it's really just a graph of your available balance. Yeah. Execution is everything, right? It depends yeah. how they actually do yeah. it. But like the, the fact that they're thinking about it is really good. Yeah. And then they're going on to say how they, they're yeah. going to underwrite loans faster and all of these promises that because all the tech companies are beating them to this punch. Yeah. But I mean, instead of building an app, they should build APIs. That's my take on it. That's cool. Well, hey, here's a connection. So, uh, Bill.com, right? They are opening up an office in Houston. This was announced. Actually, they did it last last month. The uh, They had a ceremony with the mayor, Sylvester Turner, who cut a ribbon, and a proclamation from the mayor naming September 18th as Bill.com Day. So, it was Bill.com Day on September 18th in Houston. That's exciting. It's I don't 20- think we've had an app that got thrown day. <laughs> That's I awesome. know, right? 25,000 square foot office includes shared workspaces, panoramic, panoramic views of the downtown Houston skyline, and state-of-the-art technology. So, sticking with banks, right? Uh, mm-hmm. Did you Do you remember uh, we covered Robinhood a few years back? The, or a few, about a few almost about a year ago. It feels like a year ago. <laughs> Maybe less. But Robinhood <laughs> is an investment app, right? And then they were yes. going to create themselves and become a bank, and they totally messed it up. Well, they're going to try it again, apparently. They've hired oh, yeah, some. yeah, yeah. Well, and they were unique because they offered free trades, right? You didn't pay anything to make a trade. But then I I just saw that news that now, what is it? Um, is it Schwab? One of the big investment brokerages is now offering free trades as well. So like clearly Robinhood disrupted things. And people want the... Yeah, people want people don't want to pay to do the trades. I, I get it. So that was kind yeah. of a small thing. Um, yeah, Fidelity. Um, Fidelity is doing free trades, and I think everybody else has moved to Match now. So, like, basically, the world of trading, like commercial, like brokerages online, consumer brokerages online, like, is all free now, um, which is crazy. Uh, more app news. Zero in the UK. Have you been following the numbers? I know you, you d- we dug into them together when we got the annual reports from, I, I don't remember if it was Intuit or Zero, but we always like dig yeah. into those numbers, who's winning, right? Well, there was an article in Scoop Independent News out of New Zealand suggesting that Intuit may have overtaken Zero in the UK, which would be big news because Zero has just dominated in the UK crushing Sage in the online world. And Intuit is a relative newcomer in the UK. Not very long, right? I mean, what, maybe a few years, David? I don't know. Yeah, exactly. and, and I think that, that was my understanding is that the the UK market was still pretty much wide open. Yeah. Um, for, for, it, it wasn't like US market, obviously, QuickBooks is much bigger than zero here. And we've talked about these numbers and in Australia, right? How big zero is compared to QuickBooks, right? But the UK, my understanding, was always kind of a 50-50 race and it looks like Intuit's pulled ahead. Maybe, maybe. We're maybe. not totally sure because the dates on these reports are different. That's so, the difficulty, I know, because Intuit yeah. reports out quarterly and Zero reports you know, every six months, yes. So Intuit reported on July 31st that they had 545,000 subscribers in Britain. That's both small business and self-employed, up 78% from a year earlier. Zero's latest data is from March 31st, and they reported 463,000, which was up 48% from a year earlier. So depending on the relative growth rates right now, they may either be even or Intuit may have pulled ahead. It's possible. But basically the news here, the takeaway here is that like Zero shouldn't consider that they've got the UK locked because Intuit is doing strongly there. So I have a speaking of Europe. 
news. All right. Um, so it's caught my eye because I've never really uh, heard of them before. It's There's a company called Revolt, and it may not even be Revolt. It's R-E-V-O-L-U-T. How would you say that, Blake? R-E-V-L-O-U-T. Oh, O-L-U-T. Revolt? 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 I don't know. All right. So they've ra- they're uh, in a bid to raise 1.2 billion pounds and become Europeans Europe's most valuable fintech firm. Really? Um, so the headline caught my eye. I was like, "Who are these people?" And I started looking at it a little bit, and and it's a uh, similar to a Venmo or a PayPal type play, right? Mm-hmm. But really, what got interesting is deeper in their pay. Well, they're going to launch in the U.S. soon, and they did a partnership with Visa, and they're going to create a virtual card of some type. And what was interesting is the deeper on their website, I saw they are doing payroll advances. So you can, they'll, if, if you're going to get paid on Friday, they'll stick money in your account on Wednesday. No fees. They'll just do it. They're gonna, then you get access to your money two days early. So this is like beyond even, you know, we talked about these companies like the, you get paid every day you work mm-hmm. type of thing. Mm-hmm. This is like kind of taking it even beyond that a little bit where you just get your whole paycheck two days early, which wow. is very, very interesting yeah. um, that they're heading down that point. The one weird thing in the article was they apparently have made a lot of changes um, in management. Uh, because they've had some challenges to its reputation. So I'll read the quote. The changes come after serious challenges to its reputation, including alleged links to the Kremlin, which it denies, <laughs> and claims that it had switched off an automated system preventing its money transfer system from being used to violate international sanctions. Oh. So it's 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 some they, they're going to launch in the US soon. Uh, the payroll thing's interesting. They're a competitor to PayPal, Venmo, but I think it's worth keeping an eye on these guys. I think we're going to hear more about them. Yeah, sounds like they need to hire a PR firm. Yeah. <laughs> we'll keep an eye on it. Could be, could cool. Be, yes. Hey, well, uh, we haven't talked about my payroll HR, but yes. that still is going on. And we had a little bit of an update on that. So bizjournals.com, the Albany business review had an update on my payroll HR. Apparently the fallout from the my payroll HR payroll fraud continues to spread around the country. Uh, multiple payroll companies with ties to man are apparently uh, in trouble. Uh, let's see. A few of those include pro slash data workforce solutions in Gurney, Illinois, and Southwestern payroll services in Tulsa, Oklahoma, man owned stakes in those companies, part ownership stakes, I should say. And while those payroll companies didn't see clients' direct deposits get withdrawn, their tax money has been frozen. Their customers' tax money has been frozen as part of the investigation into man, which has led to huge tax issues for the companies and business owners who had their payroll taxes run through Cloud Payroll LLC, which is another company owned by man under his parent company, ValueWise Corp. So apparently... Cloud Payroll LLC was were they a software company or a payroll? I, I think they may have been the tech stack that these other payroll companies were, were being ran on. Yeah. So, for example, uh, one of those businesses that's been affected is called Bridgeview Electric. They are out twenty three thousand dollars in unpaid federal and state taxes that have been frozen as Pioneer Bank at Pioneer Bank as part of the investigation. Pioneer Bank is the bank that uh, was funding uh, most of Michael Mann's businesses through loans, and they were the bank that uh, he banked at. So, you know, these customers, they still owe this money to the federal government, to the state government. So they got to pay it and then try to get their money back, hopefully. So uh, that's all that I know about my payroll HR, unless anything else new has come up. Just a Pioneer Bank. So that's the bank that the money got transferred into and where the money's kind of sitting. Yes. Right. But they're the one that gave out all the loans. Yeah. Right. So one thing that came out, they actually finally made a public statement 30 days later, right? And it, it was, you know, it was pretty generic. We Pioneer Bank are aware of the distress and the matter is caused and we offer our sympathy. You know, it's very kind of, they didn't really say much in that. Yeah. But then they actually, somebody actually asked them, uh, was asked by a reporter, um, why did not respond to questions and why it took more than a month to release a statement and uh, why Pioneer even signed up for loans and they just did not respond to those questions. So uh, 30 days to get a very basic response and then no response to any follow-up questions. But wow. they released their 10K. Oh. And they basically are saying that they are going to be delayed in announcing the earnings. So they just went public this year, apparently. Um, and they, they became a public company. They, they released their 10K. And I have a feeling because the way they're saying is they – to have to review all these transactions, mm-hmm. 
Like they might have to keep going backwards. They might have to restate lots of things. Oh I, yeah. I, I, oh, I think the investigation's gonna like this is not gonna bode well for Pioneer, I think, as they realize the amount of fraud that's been committed against them as well. Hmm. Interesting. So um, and then the other ripple of that that's related, um, the state of New York, the New York State Department of Financial Services sent subpoenas this week to 40 payroll processors that do business in the state. Oh, yeah, because they're thinking about regulating payroll processors more. Yeah. So they're going to, who, who knows where, the, what the context of these are, but people are going to start answering questions like this is uh, the regulations coming. Well, and I think you had a very good point on one of our previous episodes, David, that there's a big hole in regulation when it comes to payroll processors in that apparently they don't have to segregate client funds and their own funds. And I can't believe that's possible. Like in any other industry, like in the legal world, right? Client funds have to be held in a trust account that is a special account that your bank manages that you know you, you can only put client funds in there uh, in trust. And I just can't believe that payroll processors don't have to have trust accounts either. So I would very much expect that to happen. Hey, you want to hear some news about California, David? California's in the news again. Um, Well, is it gig workers? No, No. it's not about gig workers. Although I have been talking to every single Uber driver that I get in the car with about their opinions on the new law that was uh, signed into law by the governor, you know, making all the, well, this is like street, you're, you're doing reporting in the field. Well, so it's interesting because I've gotten different opinions, right? Like, uh, one of my drivers was, he said basically like, yeah, Uber treats us like crap and I'm happy for them to, you know, be forced to make me an employee because they don't respect us and, you know, all that stuff. He's like, they don't give us any control. And it's like, I don't feel like I have, I'm not, I'm not independent. He drives like all the time for Uber. But then at the same time, like there was this woman who um, gave me a ride in Atlanta and like, I could, I just knew that if she had to be an employee, there's no way that Uber would ever have hired her. <laughs> So like, you know, there's just, um, disadvantages, I think, uh, to this whole thing. But anyway, that's beside the point, uh, because it's just anecdotal. What I want to talk about is California's fiscal accounting project. Do you remember this, David, from a few months ago? This is the financial information system that California has been building. Oh, yes, yes, yes. So California decided back in 2004... Okay, which is 15, how, years ago. 15 years ago that we were going to build still in high school. Yes, like. the, this is this is like <laughs> I, I I have just like zits on my face, right? Like I pre cloud accounting only maybe, possibly right. Cloud accounting is only a glimmer in the eye of uh, Rod Drury and uh, and the folks that into it, and right? Like nobody, no, this has never even happened, right? Um, it, California decided to build its own massive, uh, basically ERP accounting system that would unify all of the departments and programs into a single accounting system. Started this 15 years ago. And the article in government technology, govtech.com, and I just love the fact that there's like a publication for everything now, right? So there's a govtech.com website. And the headline is California's fiscal accounting project tops 1 billion mark. You may remember that I reported on how we were getting close to that mark. Well, in September, we crossed that mark. It has now cost a billion dollars for us to build this financial information system for the state of California, which still is not usable. Well, so Sage bought Sage in, bought Intact for one point what five or one point eight billion. No, so they no, it was less than that. It was like seven hundred million, wasn't it? <laughs> so, so you know where I'm going with this, right? California could have just acquired. An ERP startup, the whole entire thing. And yeah, be done with it. Right. So the, Sage, yeah, Sage acquired Intact ERP for eight hundred and fifty million dollars. I just looked it up. Okay. They could have bought. <laughs> they could have bought a system that probably would be good enough. Uh, they could have bought the whole company for less than we've spent now. So the story is that the state of California just approved an, an additional $145 million, which brings the total on the project to $1.06 billion. They have also pushed the deadline, punted forward to July 2020. Um, you know, the, the, basically, the problem is that a lot of the departments still aren't using it. There's no slack in the schedule either. <laughs> like This is the thing in the, the article. It's like, you know it's going to fail because... 
Uh, here's the quote from the article. The Department of Technology's independent review called the new timeline, quote, aggressive, unquote, adding there is no slack to recover schedule if delays occur while changing its status from to green from red on the state's IT project tracker, indicating improvement. <laughs> so they just pushed the deadline forward so they could change the status to green. Uh, the, the, lead, lead the way, California. Continue, please. Uh well, I mean, you isn't know, the train isn't the train like completely? They they stopped building it, right? Because it was going to be ten trillion dollars over. Yeah, budget. so the high speed train from L.A. to San Francisco, apparently, we are no longer planning. To, <laughs> there's no plans to actually connect it to L.A. or to San Francisco. So the current plan is just to build it in the middle of the state. <laughs> it's going to connect like. Fresno and not even Sacramento. It's it's literally farmland. And I don't know what the rationale is, but I think it's we're going to build it. And then once we've built it, people will want to extend it. Or maybe it's like a sunk cost thing. Like once we build it, people will say like, well, we got to finish it now, right? So, um, you know, just stuff that makes me proud to be an accountant living in the great state of California. Cheapers. I yeah. don't know. Uh, what else do I have? Any other little <laughs> small things? My goodness, it's so depressing. We got to get people excited about something. Well, no, we but talk you know about like, how there's more billionaires in the U.S. paying lower taxes than the working class. We could talk yeah. about that. Well, you know, hey, let's just say that all of this um, government waste is balanced out. I hope by all of the cool stuff that comes out of San Francisco, right? Like, hey, the company I work for. And uh, all these other startups, Expensify, San Francisco-based, Zero, US-based. Well, they moved, but they used to be in San Francisco. So, but, you know, lots of good things coming out of California. Just, we, we like to be extreme, I think, right? It's, the na- it's our nature. So, speaking of other extremes, I'm sure everybody saw the uh, articles. It's, it's kind of been everywhere about how there's now, for the first time in the history, the Top one percent are paying a lower tax rate than the bottom fifty-one percent of Americans. Right, but that's Actually, not quite accurate, is it? Because I read it wrong. Well, no. Uh, Kelly Herb said something on Twitter. Oh, I did not see that. Oh yeah, yeah. So like she said, this is something the press gets wrong all the time, which is it's it's not that the tax rate is lower; it's that their effective tax rate is lower, right? Because yep. the, the tax rate is progressive, so you pay more if you make more according to your tax rate. But like the total amount you might pay due to deductions and different rates that you pay may be lower. And it's like, they just can't get this right. The press just can't get this right. Yeah. So yeah. kind of on a related article, which I thought was actually a little bit more disturbing as the um, ProPublica had an article about IRS audits. Mm-hmm. So basically the IRS, the, their headline is IRS colon, sorry, but it's just easier and cheaper to audit the poor. So, Hmm. Just as many, so the same rate of people that are poor get audited as the wealthiest one percent. Really, and the 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 justification is is to audit somebody that's in the one percent. You need an army of people. You need a team. They ought to be highly skilled. It's just too complicated. So it's easier just to have agents audit poor people. Is that what the that's IRS actually term. says? That's the well, uh, Congressman is actually uh, a senator has actually acknowledged this, yeah. and it's like we have to give more money to the IRS to actually accomplish this. Yeah, well, and that's that's been the big problem with underfunding the IRS is that if when there aren't enough auditors, we lose money due to tax avoidance, right? Improper tax avoidance, and and yeah, it's like it's basically giving a tax a, a hidden tax break to corporations and uh, wealthy individuals who can take really aggressive positions that maybe they shouldn't. And the, the people that they assign to these auditing the rich, they, it just takes a lot longer, right? Yeah. It's harder to even complete the exam to do this, right? Yeah. And what happens is the attrition rate, people, the more experienced examiners just quit. They don't want to do it. So like, it's a, this is a seriously broken process that yeah. we're, the, the IRS, we've talked about this before, the computer systems, like the IRS well, is horribly, horribly, horribly underfunded. And this is something that comes as no surprise to any of our listeners who have to interact with the IRS, right? Trying to get a hold of them during busy season, right? It's like <laughs> you wait on hold all day, even as a as a professional. Yeah. And on that note, let's uh, – everybody, welcome back from doing everybody else's taxes. Um, hopefully, you're listening to this and it's the next day and you're kicking back with a, a brunch and uh, listening. So, I got one last story. 
before oh, one more. we read the reviews. I just I, I wanted to end on like a fun note, right? Okay. So let's talk about our kids. <laughs> may, may, <laughs> maybe or may not may not be fun depending on how well you get along with them, right? And let's talk about our kids and money. So, David, I'm curious to know, you have teenagers or preteens? Getting right? there, getting there, yes. You have preteens, younger kids. Anyway, uh, kids who, like, ask you for money, I imagine. And well, so, of course, they have to buy things in Fortnite. <laughs> <laughs> so, I'm curious to know, do you do you give your kids an allowance? Not a straight-up uh, regular amount. No, I try to appease them to do something. And unfortunately, because of games like Fortnite and micropayments and video games, mm-hmm. my kids want to do micro chores. So we'll do something for a <laughs> buck fifty here, two bucks here. It's it's a total nightmare. That's micro chores. I love that. There should be an app for it. Like <laughs> right, like they 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 want to make a purchase and then they send it to you, and then you have to like it. It tells them what chore they have to do. Um, I should just tell them, take me out of the loop. This would be genius. Yeah, exactly. Well, if you did give them allowance. How much would you give them every week each? I think five bucks a day, 25 bucks. Okay. That's good. So you're in line with the average. Kids in the US get an average of $30 a week in allowance, according to a new AICPA study. And they're averaging, how much would you pay them, I should say, David, to do chores an hour? I, how much do I want to pay them or what do they try to negotiate me what, up to? What do you think a fair rate is? I think. Five to seven bucks. And if okay. they're good, I'll give them a little extra. But they wow. push for minimum wage. Like my kids, like, I, like yeah. unfortunately, you know, I leave around Baker's book laying around. They start <laughs> to understand this value game. And I, yeah, they want to charge for the value. Well, you're tracking though with the average. Uh, kids average $6.11 an hour to do chores, which is surprisingly up 38% from 2016. Now, you're in the minority, though, by not giving your kids an allowance. Two-thirds of parents give their kids an allowance. And four out of five allowance-providing parents, right, those who give their kids an allowance, expect their children to earn it. The funny thing about this press release from the AICPA is that, of course, you know, they have to uh, <laughs> make make something of it beyond just the stats. So the headline is children's allowance pay is up hyphen amount saved alarmingly low, <laughs> which I think is really funny because like, and there's this whole section in the article about how children don't save their allowances, uh, <laughs> like that they spend it all pretty much. And I can find the stat here somewhere. Uh, it's not coming to mind right now, but that's a hundred percent true in my yeah. my case. Yeah, and I'm, I'm thinking to myself, like, seriously though, like, I mean, if I'm a kid getting an allowance, like, the whole point of that thing is to just is to spend it, and especially actually, this shows how out of touch we are because like all these kids now have access to micro transactions, so it's not like they save up for big things anymore, right? They're spending most of their money on little like one dollar hats in Fortnite. Yeah, exactly. Right. Which for our listeners who like have never experienced this, and you know, if you never, if you're not a gamer, like I, I like to game. Uh, <laughs> there's this whole economy now in video games where you can actually get the game for free. Okay, you get a game that would like in the past would have cost you like sixty dollars, right? The developer will give it to you for free. I can download it for free, and I can play it for free. And the only way that they make money is I want like a different outfit than the other players in the game. I don't want to play like the basic uh, default guy. I have to pay, you know, anywhere from a dollar to $10 for each item that I want to wear, you know, or I have to somehow like earn it in the game, which is super tedious by playing for hours and hours, but it's much easier just to buy it. And it's like a small amount, right? Or at least to a kid, it's a small amount. So oh, I'll pay a dollar for that hat that I can now wear in the game. And I have like, now this cool custom character like that is our economy now and it works they make just bazillions of dollars from this i I, I, the detriment of parent parents everywhere yeah Yeah. and it's funny because xander and you've met my my son xander at the accounting salon before so he went to a a summer camp for art for a week this summer Uh and they all had to submit like their pictures to some art show and they're for sale or something yeah the teacher comes back every kid put theirs for sale for like a buck two bucks $50. You put his 
How are you pricing, man? <laughs> he's doing the math. Like, he's like, you know, I need 50 bucks. I'm going to buy like this <laughs> loot box in Fortnite that costs like $14.95. Like they, oh, it's, it's, it's pretty well, funny how they, uh, the value is there, but um, the work ethic might not be. I don't know. So, you know what this is making me think is that there's an opportunity here, which is somebody needs to come up with the bookkeeping or accounting firm of the future that gives stuff to their clients for free and then the clients just pay micro transactions <laughs> to get to you know and that, that's the whole business model it's like i'll do your bookkeeping for free and then you know somehow you get them to pay you like five bucks at a time or something like that well yeah like what day how many days after the close do you want your profit and loss and you pay right? like yeah so like if you pay zero it's like you know, 90 days after. When right? you get around to it. Yeah, yeah. You might get it. But if you pay, you know, a little bit more, then you get it 60 days. If you paid a little bit more, you get 30, then 15, then five, then like, I'll do it instantaneously for you. Right. I like that. Uh, my, my, we have an episode of micropayments um, and QuickBooks okay. and zero could get into this. It's all dangerous. So well, we should probably jump into the reviews though. And uh, thank everybody yes. for listening. Yeah. We got a bunch of reviews. Thank you so much. So yeah, let's jump in right now. You want to take the first one, David? Uh, first review, this is on iTunes, Hooked. Hey guys, this is my second review. Still loving your podcast and can't stop listening. I live in Johannesburg, South Africa and almost crashed my car when I heard <laughs> you reading my review on your podcast earlier this week. I have one suggestion. Please update your music intro. It's really not cool enough for the cloud. Oh man. My son can create a soundtrack for you if you would look. He's 15 years old and does music production in his spare time and has a great year for music. Send me a message on LinkedIn. I've connected with you both. Mike Powell. Oh, Mike. I Yeah, that is actually something that's been on my mind. And we, we just played around with a new intro, although David wasn't like he wasn't too into it because it was kind of like what? How did you describe it, David? It was like Sedona, Arizona, hippy dippy crystals yeah, so, and stuff. But, you know, but we haven't really spent a lot of time into it, so we gotta we gotta figure out something that's like more appropriate. But yeah, honestly, what if, what, what if what if we let our listeners send us a track oh. every episode? Or we should have a contest, or like they could vote or a something. Contest, I don't know. True, but true. but to be to be honest, Mike, the music that you hear is totally free music that I downloaded from Wistia. That they gave away for free is some marketing promo, and that's why sometimes people hear it on on YouTube as the backing for commercials and stuff. Is <laughs> so we have to change it because it's it's getting embarrassing. So thank you for Blake's that. Blake's a musician though, so there's no excuse for this. I know I should play something on my cello. <laughs> All right, next review, five stars. Thank you, Blake and David, for the amazingly well thought out podcast. I am a partner in a brick and mortar CPA firm and now have a renewed vision of what our firm can become. We have been in the cloud for three years now, and the information you guys provide is invaluable to us. Rachel Cooner, CPA, Longview, Texas. That is so awesome to hear, Rachel. That's like my purpose for existing when it comes to this podcast. Warms my heart a little bit for sure. Um, another f- uh, five-star review in my top five time is limited. And there are so many good podcasts these days. I like how Blake and David relate tech and innovation to the accounting industry. It's right up there with Bloomberg and the daily. Wow. High praise. And that's, uh, from Amy lost, always lost Amy on Apple podcast. And we've got a review, uh, from David Nadardo, um, uh, David Nadardo, Nad- Denardo. I'm so sorry, David. It's it's very late. Amazing podcast. Hey guys, I just want to share that you guys are doing an amazing thing. Education and bringing to light the latest news in cloud accounting across North America. I am from Ottawa, Ontario, Canada, and my firm is called Envolta Cloud Accounting. We are 35 employees working remotely all across Canada. Navigating through the online tools and news becomes overwhelming. I love how you guys are building a community and sharing different perspectives. Keep growing and spreading the news. Moving online was the best thing we have ever done, and now we are top 61 growth company in Canada. Look forward to seeing you guys at events. David DiNardo, owner. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you, David, so much. And I really apologize for butchering your name. Uh, we're recording late on a Monday uh, due to scheduling conflicts. So that's, I blame the timing. All right. Uh, one last review. This is five star. This one was on Podchaser. And it's just an acronym for a name. It's E G L Y M P H. 
Eagle Eye Mimph? Eggly Mimph. Eggly Eggly Mimph. Okay. Uh, David and Blake are awesome, exclamation point. I own a fractional CFO company that is taking a modern approach to financial understanding for business owners. Staying on top of the latest trends and technologies is what I need because it's what my clients expect from me and my team at Edge Business Planning. David and Blake provide me with all the news and info I need to to know to stay on top of what's going on in cloud accounting. Most importantly, they provide insights and analysis that really gets me thinking about where I want to take my company. I actually get excited when I see a new episode pop up. Thanks, guys. Wow. This was these these are amazing reviews and that feedback is what keeps me going, honestly, in doing this every it's awesome. week. It's so wow. great. And thank you everyone who left a review. If you want to leave us a review, head over to Apple Podcasts leave a review there, or you can check out podchaser.com and leave us a review on Podchaser. It's like the IMDB for podcasts, and we really love what they're doing. And that those reviews go out to a bunch of different players, uh, and, and you're welcome to use either. And a few other things. We are going to, next week, we're going to be at Sage Intact Advantage. We'll Intact Advantage in Las Vegas. Yeah. A week after that, we're going to be in Atlanta for Acuity. So Acuity is a virtual accounting firm. They're bringing all six of their employees on site, and we're going to go make an appearance there. Yep, it's a called. Week after, they're calling it AcuityCon. It's like their own. AcuityCon. I mean, if, if you didn't get enough of ZeroCon or QB Connect, like if you work for a firm like this, you could have your own conference. <laughs> so they're. This is exciting. We're going to do. A, I think we're going to do a live episode there, right? That's the plan. I anyway. think so we're going to try to. Yep. We're going to try. And then uh, after that, we will be going to QuickBooks Connect. We're trying to get all the details wrapped up for that. So we'll see everybody at that event. So it's yeah. a busy three weeks coming up. And then side announcement: mm-hmm. we have a merch store coming very soon. Some oh, yeah. limited edition T-shirts. So, uh, let's I'm, use I'm, that out there a little. I'm looking forward to that. You've come up with some great designs, David, and uh, so yeah, people can go online and get shirts. And uh, one more event I'll be at is a Digital CPA Conference in December in Seattle. Not not the greatest time of year to have a conference in Seattle, but I do love Seattle. So I'm maybe I have to, to fit that into my schedule as well. <laughs> yeah, I'll be there with Jarav, and uh, maybe David, you can come out. We'll do some podcasting too. We'll figure it out. All right, everybody, that's a wrap. Uh, Thanks so much, everyone, for listening, and have a great week. Bye. Bye.